When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody, this is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. I am your Raider beat writer, joined by my assistant beat writer, the one and only, the great Zeke Trezevant. And Zeke, as promised, as people know, I'm not a fan. I have friends that work for every organization in the NFL. I root for good people. The Raiders are good people. AP's good people. And... People have been telling me, you got to wear some Raider stuff. I'm like, I'm not a fan. I'm not wearing Raider stuff. Yeah. And then one of the members of the organization said to me, you got to wear something Raider. I said, I'm not a fan. That's not what I do. And they go, yeah, but if something big happens. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. So after the firing, an AP got hired. They were riding me, and I said, fine. If they beat the Chiefs either time or the Dolphins, true or not? Facts. True. Very true. I said, I'll do it. So the person went and got me this hoodie. Man. I don't know where it went. There yeah, we I was say it kind of zoomed out. But listen, that's a clean hoodie, though. Of course it's clean. You think I'd wear something I, dirty? No, no, no. Like, um, looks good. Um, oh. I want to – yeah, it looks good. Cool kid. My daily pop culture lesson was Zeke Trezevin. All right. So I went and got it. Well, I didn't get it. They gave it to me. They go, we're doing that. We're doing it. I said, fine. (laughs) Now, a couple others have bought me hoodies, too. Hey, listen. You got to include everybody. You have to. (laughs) I'm not wearing another hoodie unless, well, not unless, but when AP gets named coach, I'll wear a hoodie. And when they win a playoff game, will be the next time. Fair enough. I think those are two big occasions, big enough occasions to do that. Jeez. But nothing's changed with me. Zeke's the fan. <laughs> but I am Hondo. In a hoodie. In a hoodie. <laughs> oh, man, the fans crack me up. All right. And not just the fans. The people inside the building crack me up laughing about this. All right, my friend. We got a lot to cover today. It's Friday. We're coming into a big weekend in Indianapolis. It's it's what a weekend for the Raiders in Kansas City. Um, it was so funny, Zeke. Aiden was there at the game with me, and I'm sitting in the press room, which is down in the bowels of Arrowhead, which is really a closet. I mean, it's not even a press room. It's a closet. And I mean, it smelled like you were in a cigar bar. It was thick. And then you get in the locker room. I mean, I'm telling you, the next team to play at Arrowhead is going to sell smell cigar smoke. 
They probably, they probably was, bought, bought extra cigars for that game. They probably brought extra. What? I said they probably brought extra cigars for the Chiefs game. Yeah. And uh, just the atmosphere was lighthearted. It, they were not surprised. They expected to win. As you know, I had predicted they were going to win. Um, I'm told that there's one other person who made the prediction also. Um, but this was, you know, the, the the NFL may have been stunned and some fans may have been stunned. The Raiders weren't stunned. I don't think anybody close to the team was stunned. What were your thoughts? My thoughts were this is the team everyone has been waiting on for the last 16, 17 weeks, all the way around. Now, obviously, the offense struggled. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of, hey, being able to battle through adversity, they just not only did they beat the Chiefs, I can't get over the fact that they beat the Chiefs and did not complete a single pass after the first quarter. That is huge, right? Like the, the, the team that started this season could not have done that, um, especially on the road. So um, to your point, you know, spending last week in the locker room, it, it was the very lighthearted then, too. I said last week, it seemed like you wouldn't have been able to tell that they were playing the Chiefs on the road on Christmas Day last week. You wouldn't have been able to tell. And they went out there and played just like everyone, like you said, close to them, expected them to play. So um, refreshing. I, I think that's the word I would use. It's like, OK, finally, like this is it. This is the team they're looking for now. Looks a little different than what everyone thought they might have looked this season. But they're getting the W's. They're showing heart. They're showing personality. They're showing character. You couldn't really ask for much more. Now. The wind was horrible. There were times where the rain was going horizontal. I mean, major, it was, now listen, you know me personally as a friend. I was freezing. Yeah. I, so I, I'll tell you this. I didn't I didn't realize that the wind was blowing like that. Um, you know, obviously I, I didn't travel to Kansas City. I was watching it on TV. I didn't, I knew it was raining, obviously, but I didn't know the wind was blowing quite like that. But that would explain a lot of what was happening on, on Monday. Walking in. Now, remember, I had a coat. You know me. I'm a Michiganian. I, I just, I was freezing, freezing. And I'm thinking, whoa. I mean, and it was bitter cold. And, I, and, and so here's the thing, though, that really, in the words of the great prophet Peter Griffin, grinds my gears. Um, Everyone talks about, oh, Patrick Mahomes played bad. No, re no respect for the Raiders. He played bad because the Raiders were in his suit. I mean, they were, they were all over him. And let me tell you, it was, you know, I've talked about it all year. The holds on on Max Crosby. There were, I don't remember now. I think it was fifteen or eighteen plays in a row on defense where I just watched him. There was one play where a guy had his hands underneath them, holding them like a full Nelson in wrestling. Nothing called. Nothing. And the Raiders – go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying it was – it was the holding was getting out of hand. I'm biased because, again, I did play defensive end back in the day, so that's the first thing I noticed. <laughs> but, listen, yeah, those holds were just like, how do you miss so many holds? Do you want to know why Patrick Mahomes is scrambling around the field for a 1,000 yards today? Well <laughs> – He's got free lanes all across the field. I'm sorry. Yes, the holes are bad. The holes are awful. You know, every time you mention you played defensive end when you're 5'10 and 170 pounds, I just. Hey, wait, hold on. I'm 200 pounds, Hondo. You got to give me the extra not. 30, man. You are not a 200 pounds. If you're 200 pounds, I'm 120. What? 197. 
And when I'm with you, I feed you. I need listen. I need to eat a lot more. But listen, that's a sore spot for me. But yes, defensive end love the defensive line play, and they were getting held like crazy uh, on Monday. It was it was. It's like, come on, you're playing the Chiefs. What other advantages do they need? Like you're gonna let them get away with holding too? It it was out of control. Yes. <laughs> and so then Aiden O'Connell comes in, and after the game, AP said we did not want to get into a big points battle. So the play calling changed after the first quarter because Bam Bam two defensive touchdowns. And with the rain and all of that, I'm not in any way implying Aiden was fantastic. He was not, but there were some drop passes also. But it amazes me with Patrick, it's, oh, he's not playing well. And with Aiden, it's the, the, the narrative is he's trash. That's ridiculous. Listen, I'm not saying he's Kenny Stabler. We don't know. I'm not saying I wouldn't pick a quarterback. I would and let him compete. But this kid is not trash. I don't buy into that at all. And I just find it funny the two narratives nationally are Patrick's great. He's just not playing well. No respect to the Raiders D. And Aiden's trash, but no respect to the Kansas City D. It's just pretty amazing, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's the words you used that was correct was narrative, right? And narratives aren't always accurate, um, especially for those of you know, those people who are, you know, on Kansas City's media side, on our side, people who are close to both organizations, they understood what was going on on Monday, you know, for Patrick Mahomes to have a bad game, he's not out there having a bad game for no reason. He's not just having a bad game because it was Monday. Somebody or some entity is forcing him to have a bad game. And that was the Raiders defense. You, you got to hand it to him. And there is a reason why Travis Kelsey was slamming his helmet down in the middle of the second quarter, right? Those guys were frustrated. It was a bit, and it wasn't one of those, it wasn't the same as a couple of weeks ago here in Las Vegas where, oh, the Raiders are up and the, the Chiefs knew, hey, we can figure out how to get back into this. It was completely different. It was almost as if the Chiefs knew they couldn't get back into it. it, it you can kind of see in terms of what was going on in terms of the defense for, for the Raiders, forcing them into that bad game or forcing Pat into that bad game. And then vice versa, you got a rookie quarterback reigning game on the road against the defending champs. Yeah, Kansas City's defense played well as well, you know, too. So you got to give both sides credit. But like you said, narratives, uh, you know, they can go either way. So let's go to what I thought was interesting, Patrick Graham, another masterpiece um, defensive game plan. We're just going to start calling him the maestro, just the way he plays this defense. You and I have talked about him all year. Um, just a tremendous job, the adjustments, the changes. Just talk about Patrick Graham. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, if this guy does not get a head coaching job, and, and 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 if you're the Raiders, you're going to throw a ton of money at him to get him to stay with AP. But if this guy doesn't get a head coaching job, I mean, that's yeah. that, that's ridiculous. When you look at his, you know, a a forty some million dollar offense. Now that Chandler's gone, forty some million dollar offense. I mean, defense and what he's done with it. Plug and play, developing guys, moving Tyree inside, the, the the emergence of a Malcolm Coons, what you see with Jack Jones. I mean, just all that Patrick Graham has done, this guy's resume sticks out like muscles on, on Mr. Universe, doesn't it? Listen, I completely agree with you. And and you you know my excitement has been there around Patrick Graham literally in the defense all year. Again, I love defense. And what what Patrick has been able to do has been nothing short of amazing. And there's two sides of it, if you ask me, similar to AP. 
There's the X's and O's in terms of what he's doing on the field. And then you got to look at everything else that he has to deal with around that. So for Patrick Graham, you got to look at, yes, he's done great with the defense. Yes, he's developed players. But you also got to consider the fact that he's doing that with the offense that has has not done very much this whole season. So imagine what he could do if he had one of the better offenses in the league, right? That that take that would take so much of the load off of the defense's hand. Imagine how much better the defense would look if the defense was or if the offense wasn't stalling out so many times every game. They would be even better. So for him to take everything that he's had given to him, you know, and make what he's made out of that defense and still take on all the di- the difficulties that he's had to deal with as a defensive coordinator. That is why he should be uh, in the running for a head coaching position, similar to AP, right? There's a, He's done his X's and O's, and then there's everything else AP has had to deal with, being a first-time head coach out of nowhere, right? He wasn't expecting that, right? Kind of having to rebuild this team in the middle of the season, right? There's what they've done on the field, and then there's everything they've had to deal with, and they've dealt with successfully off the field. So I think Pat and AP speak uh, pretty highly to that. Champ Kelly gets the job after the trade deadline, has magnificently worked waiver wires, who's a free agent to pick and play and put guys in positions on this football team. Does his due diligence now on Jack Jones, does his due diligence, talks with AP, trusts AP, brings Jack Jones in. I mean, again, he's brought in other guys. We know what he did before he got here with the Broncos, with, you know, with all of the Peyton Manning and all the success in the Broncos. We know what he did with the Bears, the trade for Khalil Mack and and, and all the things he had his hands in with the Bears. He's a guy that I wrote should have been a candidate and I wanted him to get the GM job after Mike Mayock. I still think he's done everything now just like AP. This guy's done a terrific job, and I don't think you can separate what AP's done with what Champ Kelly's done. They have been the quintessential team, and I think both of them have been outstanding and have earned the permanent jobs. Do you agree? I I think we all agree on that one, right? Again, I, one thing I think in terms of Champ that I think is being underestimated, and you've mentioned it, is him getting the job like a day or two after the trade. It was it wasn't that long after the trade deadline ended. It was like less the than afternoon a week. after. Yeah, like literally like the day after. Like so, imagine being a new GM and the trade deadline just passed twenty four hours. Like what are you supposed to do, right? And he's taking he's taking a, a, an unfavorable situation and he's made the most of it. And then specifically the Jack Jones, right? Uh, you know, the previous regime brought in a lot of players that, you know, Josh McDaniels was, you know, familiar with or had connections with. Some worked out, some did not work out. So for Champ and AP to be on the same page about Jack and it worked out this big, this quickly, that that's a sign right there, right? That they, these guys are on the same page. They know talent when they see talent. They know how to develop talent. And again, that they're on the same page, right? Whether that player gets brought in or does not get brought in, these guys are moving in the same direction together. So I think uh, without a doubt, they have to be, you know, made permanent in terms of their positions for sure. Now, let's turn to AP because, as you know, I wrote the other day, enough's enough. It's time to give him and Champ the job. My point is someone said, well, you should wait because you don't want him to lose motivation in the last two games. If you think AP is going to lose motivation in the last two games and they don't know AP, let's just leave it right there. You haven't been paying attention. Yeah. But second of all, this guy's earned it. And I talked about there are some schools of thought, including a PFT report last year with the the 
Jeff Saturday and the Colts, that they can't hire him because of the Rooney rule. I've had an AFC and an NFC general manager tell me that they can. They'd have to work with the contracts. But I said, who cares? Let's assume that they can't hire him because of the Rooney rule. Mark Davis needs to be like his dad, Al, and tell the NFL, kiss off. These are my guys. I'm going to go hire them. Done deal. Come after me. Now, yesterday, legendary NFL writer, the great, 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 the, the, the great Rick Goslin, said on this broad, on this podcast, the NFL ain't going after them. They're not going to touch them. You just hired two minorities. Now, they're not going to. In fact, he said it may require the NFL to make an adjustment of the rules. He doesn't think there's any chance the NFL comes after them. Do you agree with me and Rick? Go hire them now. Make a statement. Be Alish. I be I agree with both sides of it, right? The NFL, they're not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Um, just because you got to think like if you're going to go after the Raiders for quote unquote not abiding by the Rooney rule, and then they have a, a minority head coach, well, isn't that the point of the of the Rooney rule? So at that point, I feel like the NFL will be chasing, kind of chasing his tail on that one. But in terms of what uh Mark should do, uh, come on, you're you're making this transition back to the Raider way. Right. Why not make that move? Right. That that would fully just that's that is the Raider move to make, if you ask me. So I think when it comes to what he should do. Yeah. Be like your dad. Say this is what we're doing. Even if the NFL were to come after you, what are they going to do? They're going to they're going to, uh, you know, find you some money. They're going to maybe dock a late round draft pick. You're already paying your last two head coaches. What, 40 million dollars, 80 million dollars between the two of them. What's another couple about hundred thousand or a million dollars to, to make the move you want to make? So I think, uh, you know, what they're about to do is going to be very interesting, but I think it's clear what they should do. Make the move. I, to me, this is a no brainer. Do you know what Raider nation would do if he just walks into a press room, says, Hey, Roger, kiss my butt. These are my guys and lights up a stogie. <laughs> that would listen, that would be so fitting, uh, especially for a fan base that has been that feels like they're at odds with the NFL sometimes and have felt that way over the years. That would only that would only get you know Raider Nation and get the team uh even more motivated, even more excited for the future. All right, I gotta ask you because you are a fan. I'm not. What would you feel like sitting in that press room? Mark Davis walks in with both men. Hey, Roger, kiss my butt. I'm hiring these two, and he loaded, just lit up a big Cuban. What would you think? You, you you would have to you would have to remove me from the room because I would have this dumb smile on my face from ear to ear uh, that would probably ruin any press conference that was going on. So uh, that would that would be a sight to behold. <laughs> dumb smile, but there we go. All right, that would be interesting, wouldn't it, Zeke? Yes, sir. All right, everybody has predicted a win this week. We finally come to you. I'm predicting Raiders 27-13. What are you picking? So I'm picking a double-digit win, um, and I have it as uh, 20 to 10. It, it, now, the defense I'm not worried about. I'm worried about the offense, you know, getting those points on the board. But um, I, I definitely yeah, have but a – Listen, it's going to be indoors. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, and, and Indianapolis does not have the defense that the Chiefs had or. Yeah, that's a very good point. And quick note, I do. I mean, I do firmly believe that, you know, the field that they're playing on 
greatly impacts them. I think that's why you saw such a difference between both Kansas City games. I think Kansas City playing on that turf was a huge difference than play, than them playing on a, a rainy, wet, you know, ground uh, of grass. Uh, but in terms of the Colts game, yes, I think uh, Raiders double digit win. I think they've come too close to turning this thing fully around to to let this indie game uh, slip through their fingers. Want to ask you a question because I think people are underselling the captains on this team: Max Crosby, Devontae, Colton. I mean, and, and the list goes on. There's a bunch of them this year. I think the Raiders captains this year uh, have been more influential than any of the four seasons I have covered. Every one of them. You're seeing them the way they're talking to guys on the sideline during games. You and I have been on the sideline in practice and talked about it. I think the captains this year have been phenomenal. Your thoughts? I think they've been great, and I think the reason why they're being undersold is because a lot of them are not necessarily the most uh, publicly vocal people. They're not necessarily using the media uh, to get their message across, and I, I'll be honest with you, I think this season that, that may have been the best route. I don't think this was the season to go and, and say too many things uh, about frustrations to the media, really for anyone, but especially for the captains. Um, and I honestly think that a lot of the captains, that's their demeanor. No matter who the Colton is, or is a not necessarily a quiet guy, but these guys aren't a, a rah rah kind of person. So I think that's part of what's going on. And their leadership is follow what I do, right? See how I'm playing, seeing how I train, and that's how they're leading. And I think that goes a long way. And that's why they're being undersold. I think in this day and age, people are used to to the to the prima donna, if you will, or the loud athlete saying, "I want X, Y, and Z." That's not what these guys are. They're they're very selfless. They're very down to earth, and they say, "Hey, you know what? What's better than my words?" It's going to be my action. So I think that's uh, why they don't get the attention that they deserve. But you got to look at what they've been through this season, how they've turned this around. It wasn't all because of AP, right? AP is not on the field every week. It's because of those captains. I was asked this week about Devontae Adams on an interview I did. And someone asked me, do you think he's a prima donna? And I just laughed. I said, I think the guy just wants to win. Um, I don't think he's prima donna at all. I, I think he wants to win. I think it frustrates him when he, see th he sees things that can happen that can lead to winning. But I, I don't know that I, 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 don't, I don't classify someone wanting to win as a prima donna. Do you think he is? Well, this is what I'll say. And think about the last 20, 30 years of football in the NFL and the wider uh, receiver position specifically, in, in, uh, you know, as well as the word prima donna. If you look at the last 20 years, you've never had to ask if a prima donna was a prima donna. It was always very Terrell Owens, right? You never had to clarify. He, we never had to ask that question. So I think the fact that you're asking should tell you that he's not. Uh, but I can also, I feel like I can confirm this from being around, you know, for a little bit. That's not the case. Right. Whether he's at the podium speaking, he's easy to talk to. Whether he's in the locker room and you want to, you know, shoot a quick comment or sh shoot a quick question to Devontae, it, you, you would, again, you would almost not even know you're talking to a potential Hall of Fame or expected Hall of Fame rod receiver down the road. So, Prima Donna couldn't be further from the truth. And that's something I can confirm. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I've had so many dealings with him and he's never once ever been a jerk. He's never been anything less than a gentleman. He's never been anything less than uh, warm. 
Um, there's been times he's been frustrated. I guess you wouldn't say when somebody's frustrated, they're warm, but he's never been a jerk to anyone. Even in um, his frustrations, he was never, mm -hmm. even when he's expressing the frustrations, it's never come across as aggressive or mean or disrespectful. None of that. Yeah. He, he's always Good done guy. the right way. And he, he hasn't, there's been times where off the record, he's come to the locker room and said X, Y, and Z and expressed a little bit of frustration. And even then he was, he still did it the right way. So I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Last guy I want to talk about is somebody we've talked about a ton. Zamir White. This is a guy we've all, you and I believe in. I mean, the, the guy looks like he's chiseled out of granite. He's got muscles in places of my body I have never seen. <laughs> this guy looks the part. He's a great kid. Great kid. There is no one that dislikes him. And to see him finally coming to his own, to see a lot of these young players responding to faith that AP has in them, responding to what Bo Hart agree and, and responding to what Patrick Graham and responding to the captains. It's, it's really fascinating to see your thoughts on watching Zeus emerge. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. I'll start off by saying I'm extremely biased. Um, you know, in terms of college football, you know how I feel about my Georgia Bulldogs. I, I'll say that, but I only say that to say this. I've watched Zamir for a long time. I've watched him grow. And with Zamir, you got to think about his position and how he feels, right? He's really been kind of riding the bench for the last two years or special teams for the last two years. And to go from being one of the top college football running backs and now riding the bench behind one of the better running backs in the National Football League, that's tough, right? That's tough to sit there and ride the bench knowing you're talented enough to be on that field. So in terms of his production on the field, that's great. And he's it was good to see. Um, it was good to see him finally kind of break off and show his potential, right? He's still got some growing to do. He's still got some areas of improvement, uh, mainly catching the ball out of the backfield, uh, mainly, you know, hitting the holes a little bit better. But to see that progression finally work, it, it, it was refreshing to see. Uh, but I also think it's a testament to all of the younger players because they're, Zeus isn't the only player that's talented but's had to ride the bench, right? And wait your turn, even though you're very talented. So I think that says a lot about the Raiders as an organization, um, and where this coaching staff has taken the guy. So um, I think this is just the beginning for uh, Zamir White. You know, I got asked by somebody yesterday, can you talk about the personnel moves that you think Champ Kelly's made? And I literally thought to myself, okay, you let Marcus Peters go. You bring in a Jack Jones. They brought in several players, by the way. I'm, I'm not even going to get into all of the players that they've brought in. You go to AP, and together you guys make the decision, we got to play more young players, the emergence of Zeus, the emergence of Malcolm, the letting you know Patrick Graham do what Patrick Graham does. It was him making the decision to Mark Davis, hey, I want to promote AP. I mean, he's done multiple things just this year in a very, very short time. I think it's a testimony to this this team. And when I say the team, I'm referring to AP and to Champ. You know, you you want your general manager to be the boss. He is. But you want your coach to be strong-willed to know what he wants and to not be afraid to speak up, which is what they have. And I just think, I mean, with Mayock, Gruden ran it. Okay? There was no doubt Gruden was the boss. With McDaniels and Ziegler, McDaniels ran it. Now, I've been critical and said Ziegler should have. And even um, Mark Davis told Tashawn of The Athletic, he said, listen, Ziegler was the boss, but what he did with it, that's another story. I mean, it, confirming what we wrote.
That is not the case here. Champ's the boss, but he wants AP empowered. They're doing it the way it's supposed to be done. I'm going to say this, and you may be a little young to remember this. And I know they've not won any Super Bowls, so I'm not saying it's a perfect comparison. But it reminds me in the early process of a Ron Wolf, Mike Holmgren. Just those two guys, Wolf was the man in the office. Holmgren was the guy on the field in the locker room. And even though everyone knew where Wolf stood, it was symmetry. It is symmetry with AP. It is symmetry with Champ. You are not going to find it any other way. With it. I don't care who you bring in. It ain't going to be like it is now. And it reminds me, AP reminds me a lot of John Madden, a position coach, not a ton of experience. You look at what Champ's done with other organizations. To me, this is lightning in a bottle, baby. And we've talked about this hire being a legacy-defining hire for Mark Davis. If he goes and hires these two and it doesn't work out, no one's blaming him. Nobody. Nobody. If he goes out and hires someone else and it doesn't work, it's all on him. Everyone's blaming him. It is all on him. This is legacy defining like the stogie. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think that I think had they not beaten Kansas City, okay, again, obviously, you know, it's a coin toss what they do. But now that they've beaten Kansas City, I think Raider Nation, I think all of us that are close to the organization, I think we're all on the same page of don't overthink this. Right. You, you you can't you can't go and try to do, go through a whole nother interview process and, and potentially hire a GM and a coach that has no idea what it has been like in this locker room, in this organization for the last X amount of years. They have no idea what these guys and what this organization have been through. That's those aren't that's not the GM and the head coach you want to bring in, let alone the, the blame that you could you know face for if it doesn't work out. It's right there for Mark. Pull the trigger, man. Don't make this harder than it has to be. It's AP is champ. It, it's it's easy to me. I don't I don't see almost why it hasn't happened yet. Those are the guys for the job for sure. Again, whether the GMs are right or not, let's assume they're not, and you got to follow the Rooney rule. There's nothing more like his dad. I mean, that in itself will in Raider Nation would sell T-shirts. As a matter of fact, the title of this episode is going to be "It's Time for Mark Davis to Light the Stogie." Light it light it like can you it's, it's going to be such a good time man like that mark has to make this move man like i i, I can't fathom a way that he does it right it, it's just right there and this is the move that's i feel like is really going to take you say legacy defining that's the quick way of saying it i'm saying that this is going to be the move that takes raider nation into the future right now i'm not saying ap might is going to be the next coach you know he's not going to be the coach 10 years from now right but hey for this period of the next three five how many every years ap is the guy for sure not everybody it's time for Mark Davis to light the stogie. That is the great Zeke Trezevant. I'm Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Remember, if you don't want to watch the video, you can always um, just check the audio on Spotify or on Apple, as well as I do another podcast every day that's just five to ten minutes, riding with Hondo and Dexter, breaking you some more inside information on the Raiders. You can check it out there. Follow me on Twitter at Hondo Carpenter, at H-O-N-D-O-C-A-R-P-N-T-E-R, and at Hondo S-R on Instagram. And by the way, I kept my word. Hondo made it happen. I want to thank the member of the organization that bought this for me, not naming any names. <clears throat> Nothing's changed. 
Don't ask me to wear another hoodie unless AP's name coach. And after that, the only time I'll, I would do it is with a playoff win. Fair enough, Zeke? Hey, you might get both of those this season. All right. It's possible. It's totally possible. I agree. All right, Mark Davis. Make it happen. Light, light your stogie. All right. See you all tomorrow. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa, whoa.